Major Motion Pictures, a podcast dedicated to asking better questions than what is your favorite movie. And today is a very special episode because I am joined by someone I do not work with. So today's special guest is Kai Uyehara. Hey, how's it going? Hello. Uh, (laughs) So uh, you're in the film production club at Western, right? Yes, I am. I feel like we've met very tangentially before. I think we had a couple classes together like two years ago. Yeah, I think it was uh, probably honors, and I was thinking maybe some English classes. That, yeah, that sounds familiar, right? Yes. Um, You were also, I feel like, I obviously, uh, you work with Matt Adams, who is one of my coworkers at the uh, DMC. I'm sorry, you're friends with Matt Adams, who's one of my coworkers. Yeah, yeah. And I've done some uh, stuff in film production with him as well. Uh, How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Just started my morning off a little bit late. Got some more classes today and finishing up my midterms. Oh, yes, yes. How are those going? Pretty good. I am only taking three classes this time. Mm -hmm. And I'm taking an English, linguistics, and journalism class. Ooh. Those are all very fascinating. Yeah, they're all kind of getting into similar realms. So sometimes I am not remembering my deadlines, but otherwise, going pretty good. Nice, nice. Uh, so I like to start off podcast episodes uh, talking a little bit about how you got into video production. Yeah, okay. Um, I really have always you know, like loved movies, loved watching them. I think my favorite genre is probably... Uh, drama so mm-hmm. uh, Oscar bait is also Kai bait <laughs> so I was always watching until like my senior year in high school and I did theater and stuff and for one of our classes we had this assignment to make a short film and I was like oh <laughs> this is my time to shine so I basically took over the <laughs> all the people in my class we were supposed to just divide into like groups of three but I ended up casting people from a bunch of the other groups as well, which caused a little bit of drama. But I ended up making this hour-long movie. Oh my gosh. It, it was a lot of effort. I ended up, like, I'm pretty sure just giving myself, like, stress-induced lactose intolerance. But Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, not confirmed. But, yeah, I finished that. And I was just in love with the process. So when I got here to college, during that, uh, club fair at the very beginning in red square i just popped over to the uh, film production uh club and talked to sam who is the president mm-hmm. and he just got me hooked up right away and i couldn't start until winter quarter but once i got in um winter quarter in my freshman year we just kind of started going and so i've made probably about four or five um little short films and uh joined the 48 48- our film festival, which is also run by the DNC. Yes, yes. Plugs for that. Um, And I ended up winning that year with my team. So that was a little bit of like uh, encouragement right there to keep going. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Uh, What was, what is that like? Um, I'm very fascinated by the the film festival and I was very disappointed that it ended up getting canceled last year. Right. Uh, You know, because of a global pandemic. But um yeah, like, what is, what is the process for um, making those short films? Well, I unfortunately only got to do it the one year. But uh, during that year, we just uh, split ourselves up in the film club. Uh, and we just kind of made our own little teams and entered together. 
And there's not a lot of prep that you can do outside of that otherwise. Right. You only have 48 hours. <laughs> yeah. And you don't know anything beforehand. So we just got our people kind of made up this idea of like, okay, how are we going to spend our time? You know, because we've heard from Sam, other people before who have like experience with it. And they're like, okay, I stayed up basically all 48 hours. You got to get a lot of food. You got to get your brain going and you got to work fast. <laughs> so that's what we were prepared to do. And that's what we did. So like once we got our prompt, you know, like our, our line, our genre, our our prop, we just went straight to the dining hall and started writing. At that point, do you prioritize like story or style? Like how do you sort of attack the prompt? Well, I think a thing that worked out for us really well is the genre kind of lends itself to the story or the story lends itself to the genre. They're kind of intertwined. Mm -hmm. So we got film noir mm -hmm. where, you know, you've got this like very uh, stereotypical like stock plot. Mm, yes. <laughs> if you even if you haven't like watched a lot of film noir or whatever genre you've got, you kind of know what's up with it. The story kind of made itself from there. We're like, okay, detective, bad guy, you know, like other detective turns out to be a bad guy. You got this like mi murder mystery that you're solving, and then it just kind of makes itself from there. And because it's a short film, you don't have a lot of other time besides that. Yeah, no, that's really cool. Um what what's it like to see something that you've created uh, premiere on a big screen because of the the forty eight yeah the forty eight hour film festival does its screenings at the Pickford Theater in downtown right exactly yeah um it's I hadn't thought much of it before um it happened I was like that'll be cool mm -hmm. but once it was up there and we were watching it uh it was it was amazing I I mean I'd never seen my films like you know, I got a screen bigger than like the flat screen in somebody's house. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it just seems very official. And you're like, wow, there's so many people watching this right now. And it just seems like the final destination. Yeah, no, that sounds really cool. Yeah, no. Uh, if anyone listening uh, is curious and wants to see the uh, film noir genre uh, film Kai and his team worked on, I believe it's still posted on the DMC's YouTube channel. Probably. Yeah, look for Arrhythmia. Yes, yes. Also, if uh, anyone is interested in competing in a 48-hour film festival, I believe the DMC is trying to adapt it to an online format this year. Um, so people will be able to compete uh, with slightly modified um, process. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that all is really cool. Uh, I'm just, ugh, I'm, I'm, I'm so disappointed that I did not, number one, be able to join uh, the film production club. I'm like on the emailing list, but I've always had a conflict uh, for your guys' meeting right. times. And then also, I didn't know about the 48-hour film festival until a few months before it got canceled last year, so... I am very jealous of your experience. <laughs> well, you know, it's still going. We even have some people in there who are graduated, so the doors are still open. Yeah, that's awesome. Nice. All right, maybe I'll 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 try to get my name on another emailing list. Oh, really? <laughs> I feel like it gets taken on and off every year. <clears throat> yeah, get on there. Yeah, yeah. I've definitely hung out at that booth um, at the. The, the fair at the beginning of the year. Yeah. All right. So let's hop into our main question for the day, which is what movies have you seen over and over again? And I guess to sort of frame this question or as an introduction, are you the type of person who watches movies like repeatedly or do you tend to lean towards new uh, content? I 
I lean more towards new content. It's kind of weird how it happens in my head. So, like, my most favorite movies in one category, like, I will watch one or two times, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, most favorite movies, the ones that I put down on my list, um, I, I've only seen, like, once or twice, just because I want it to just, like, not, not be overdone in my head. Right, yeah, no, I'm the exact same way. You just want to, like, preserve sort of the memory of watching it. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, like, two different types of favorite movies. You got your favorite movies that, like, you want to put in, like, cellophane, and they're, like, you know, like, your little, like, collector's items things, and you don't take it out of the box. Yes, yes. And then there's your other favorite movies that you (laughs) watch all the time. Mm -hmm. And for me, those are movies that are kind of, like, I guess they're kind of, like, fandom movies, where you're, like, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings. Mm Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Marvel movies. Yes. Where you can absolutely, like, love it, and then you just keep watching it over and over and over again, and it's just so fun. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've actually, over the last week and a half, I've been going back and watching Marvel movies um, just for fun. Yeah, yeah. I I would say probably Marvel movies and Lord of the Rings are the ones that I would watch over and over in, like, the more recent years. Because mm-hmm. obviously as a kid, you have got your favorite movies and you just kind of watch those over and over. So, you know, kids movies I've seen many, many, many times. But Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I wonder if it's something that we sort of grow out of as we get older is like the desire to just watch the exact same thing over and over again and not get sick of it. Um, I have a younger sister who when she was probably six, like not not totally in school yet like maybe half day kindergarten she uh she would watch the pixar movie up every oh. single day multiple times a day for an entire year Uh-oh. it was just like no one in the house like ever wanted to watch this movie again because it was just so thoroughly ruined for us oh god that's awful but it's such a good movie too that like i haven't seen it in probably 10 years but at the same time it's like well well it's it's a quality movie i just have no desire (laughs) to see it that's that's why because like example the other day me and my roommate and uh my girlfriend we decided to watch surfs up Mm -hmm. i hate to use that as the example but it was just so good (laughs) like watching it again because i hadn't seen it for like probably like 12 years you know since i was young and i probably watched it a lot of times when i was younger right right but i just imagine like all these like movies that are like my favorites on my list all these dramas i will go back years later and watch them again and it'll just be like new again and then that's what i'm saving it for that's why i don't watch things Mm -hmm. that often because like up fantastic movie and i would hate to get tired of it yeah yeah no there's definitely a disappointing factor in in that case i a lot of the time if i have a movie that i really really like some i'll see it like on a netflix or um a recommended list in some other place and I'm like, "Oh, I love that movie, but uh I don't I don't want to watch it right now. I'm not I'm not in the correct <laughs> mental like mood. I haven't prepared myself. It needs to be like a ritualistic screening. I need to like pop popcorn and really sit down to dissect um The Turtles Inside of the Spotless Mind or something like that." Oh, yeah, absolutely. Love that movie. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's also not a movie you should like watch over and over no, again. No. Cuz it's just so creative, and, like, when something creative becomes predictable to you, I mean, you know, like, you you can quote it inside and out, you know what 
is going to happen next, that's kind of a bummer. Right. I love watching a movie and you have watched it many times, but it's been so long and you don't remember really what happens next. Yes. Yes. And you're like, oh, and then you're like, wow. I am amazed again. Yeah, no, that is an incredible, like, viewing experience. Um, A lot of the time I'll remember, unfortunately, the only thing I'll remember is the plot twist. Or sometimes the only thing I know about a movie is the plot twist. Mm -hmm. Um, We were watching, or my family was watching The Usual Suspects about a few months ago. And I was like, I don't really want to watch it. I'll go upstairs. Uh, I had never seen it before. I don't know why I went upstairs, but I came down right before the big reveal at the end. And I basically asked if Kevin Spacey was Kaiser Sose, and my family was so mad. (laughs) My brother was like, why? (laughs) If you had waited 10 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And now I've ruined it all for everyone listening to this, if they haven't seen The Usual Suspects, but whatever. You know, whatever. Yeah, my... uh... My brother was trying to make it as far as he could without having um, the reveal at the end of uh, The Sixth Sense be told to him. Mm -hmm. And he's a senior in high school now. And I don't know why he thought that that was a good idea, but it got spoiled. It got spoiled for him right as he was about to watch it. And I was like, you know what? (laughs) Some movies just you can't watch if you know, if you know, like the ending. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fight Club for me is I, I know what the twist is. I didn't know for a really long time, but just through cultural osmosis, you get you get it. But you haven't seen it. I haven't seen it yet. I, it's on my list of movies to watch. You should. It is kind of a bummer when you already know, like you know, like one of those movies, just like Sixth mm-hmm. Sense, you know, where if you know the ending, the rest of the story building up to that is transparent. And you don't really want it to be. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, it brings up another related question to the topic of this episode, which is, um, is there value in watching a movie, maybe not over and over again, but at least twice, uh, especially these types of movies with big twists at the end? Uh, is is there some part of you that always just wants to like rewind to the beginning and catch all the bits of foreshadowing? Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, I think the movies that are like most important to watch several times are like the ones that like have so much depth that have a Mm -hmm. lot of layers and a lot of different themes that you will catch on to later like movies like like uh hell or high water Mm. which is just like chock full of like all of these different themes like love loyalty brotherhood like uh race classism Mm -hmm. all of these different things and you know there's other movies like i don't know this one's, I guess, co- controversial for some reason, but, like, one of my favorites is La La Land. I also like La La Land. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And some of these movies, though, just have so many different things, and they're gonna mean different things to you at different times in your life. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, another movie that comes to mind with this idea uh, is Get Out. Yes. Because um, it definitely has that twist at the end, but it's also not, like, the, the point of the movie isn't the twist. It's definitely um, a movie that you can rewatch and not just in, in anticipation of a reveal. There's more themes that are deeper going on, uh, and you understand the story even better the second time. Yeah, there's, like, a couple movies, too, where you just, like, You've got to, You've just got to experience the thrill again. Mm-hmm. So, like, when I watched Joker recently, mm-hmm. I just, for some reason, liked that movie so much. 
and I just thought that it was just fantastic. Like, I already had watched Taxi Driver. <laughs> so I think that that kind of built my love for it because I was like, okay, I am recognizing all of these things that are, like, being lovingly recycled in this movie. And just exactly, the tension yeah. and suspense that gets build up, built up in that movie by watching this character by the end when he gets to the talk show with Murray. Mm-hmm. The second time I watched it, I was... I, I could have... I was like, oh my god, I can't do this. I was like, my stomach was fluttering because <laughs> like, you're waiting for this like horrific moment that you already know is going to happen and you're kind of waiting for it to not happen. You're just wishing it won't. Exactly, yeah. I think that's sort of the idea of um, Alfred Hitchcock's idea of like the bomb under the table. Um, you build suspense by knowing it's there. You get like one big kick of surprise if a bomb suddenly goes off, but if uh, the audience has shown that there's like a three minute countdown time where you get three minutes of bated breath um and that sort of happens during these rewatch sessions where you know everything is going to happen but you're still tense for that like half an hour up to um the murray talk show yeah absolutely i think that that's like something that's kind of underused in movies i think you know like there's a lot of movies that are like okay you're building up to something you don't know what it is Mm -hmm. and then you know like then there's this plot twist at the end but if you know something at the beginning you know how something's gonna go like i just watching movies where you know that like something bad is gonna happen like yeah you set up this character with this like loving beautiful fun family right at the (laughs) beginning and because we know movies we know (laughs) that that's not gonna last that's they're gonna die Mm -hmm. and like that's yep. the bomb under the table thing. Yeah, no, I mean, that's sort of the underappreciated part of, like, the genre of a tragedy. Um, y- you know it's not going to end well. Uh, a lot of the time, like, in Romeo and Juliet or the Oedipus play, they they tell you exactly what's going on, uh, and you're just waiting for the characters to figure it out. It relies a lot on dramatic irony. I think a thing that's, you know, like, overlooked when we when we come to, like, conversations like this is TV shows. Yeah. Like, what TV shows do you watch over and over again? And I'm thinking about, like, these TV shows that, you know, they, they spend so much time, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, building their story, building their world. And there's, like, TV shows that you know cannot end well. Like, Breaking Bad. <laughs> I feel like yes. everybody's seen Breaking Bad at this point. I mean, I'm only on season two, so... Okay, well, we won't do spoilers, but you just, like, when you're watching... Oh, for you know, sure. I'm it, not thinking this is going to go well. <laughs> no, it's, it gets progressively, you know, deeper and deeper. And you you know that there's no way that this is going to end well. But you don't know how. Mm-hmm. You don't know, like, how it's going to, like, the way that it'll end badly. But you know that it will. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's something I actually value in media. I really like predictable, like, stories or, like, stories that have a very set... Um, rules for the plot i think of like competition movies and tv shows where it's like uh this is round one and what happens in round one like advances you to the next stage of the competition and then Mm -hmm. you know exactly when things are going to happen but then the drama comes in and it's like well i don't know like who's going to like get the edge on this character and what's going on in the subplot and how it affects the overall competition um there's sort of like you're not constrained by coming up with an interesting plot if it has this really set um, guideline or uh, predetermined path. Yeah. What is your favorite like genre then? Um, 
It's very specific. I like dog sled movies. Dog sled movies. I honestly believe that there has never been a bad dog sled movie because it has this perfect plot where like the way dog sled races work is that there's like the checkpoint method of racing where you have all these checkpoints and you know about it from the very beginning and uh, you have to get to the different places and like the way you check in has different ramifications for uh, your placing in the overall system. But it almost guarantees that the main character has a shot at winning in the very end um, because it's not just an overall leg of a race, like there's different steps. Uh, And so they can take a hit in the beginning, but then work their way back up uh, to be in the top towards the end. Also, it has a perfect mix of action and drama where you have these really intense uh, race sequences immediately followed up by increasingly um, intense interactions at the checkpoints, Uh, like where different like tables are turning and power shifts happen. I think it's really fascinating. Also cute dogs. That's funny. And you can never lose with cute dogs. I don't think I can name more than one dog sled movie. And I think it would be, uh, snow buddies. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I like snow buddies. Uh, it's, it's, it's not the best one. (laughs) What other dogs are there? Uh, I recommend Iron Will. Uh, it's an older Disney movie. It also has Kevin Spacey actually in it. Um, that's really good. It's it's like that classic sports movie narrative of the underdog and he wants to race, um, but he he's like a young teenager. He's like nineteen. Um, actually, I think he's younger than that. he's like seventeen actually because he wants to join the army, but he's too young, uh, and so he joins this race instead because uh, there's a prize that he can use to help like his mom keep the farm. I think that's the plot. Anyway, it's called Iron Will. It's available yeah. on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> but, you know, very, very much, yeah, that's a uh, sports story. Yes, yes, definitely. Sort of like all of those same tropes, probably, just in the snow. But, like, you know, sports stories, and like specifically football mm-hmm. stories, I think are just so, to me like bewilderingly successful because you know it is it is the same thing but i think people do like that yeah no and sports movies i think are other ones that people rewatch. like um i've seen rudy multiple times um and it, it definitely fulfills that idea of like hitting the same story beats but they are satisfying um it's never it, it's not like a big twist sort of thing i don't know i think it's interesting how people gravitate towards like the known, you know, like mm-hmm. in film production, uh, it drives me crazy. But the thing that people really, really like to make over and over and over again is horror movies. Yeah. And it's just because horror movies are the easiest thing to make because, <laughs> like, you know, we're on the production side and, you know, like it's it's a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun to make. But the story of horror movies can so easily be done in a bland, predictable way. Yeah, definitely. You know, like, you have all of these movies, like, that you could look up on Netflix, and you just, you know, you're watching them, and you could kind of predict what's going to happen every single time, unless it's, like, a really good horror movie, like Get Out or, like, Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. But Well, even those are, like, they're more thrillers than horrors. Yeah, uh, exactly. So like maybe the... I just don't like horror movies. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a fan of being scared, so I don't like horror movies for another reason. But I also love Silence of the Lambs and Get Out. Um, 
But I think it's because they have those deeper levels to them. That's more than just, oh, you wanted a horror movie, so we're going to dim the lights in this room and flash a strobe and use some shaky cam. Right. But there are, for some reason, there's just such a massive audience for these movies, like sports movies, horror movies, rom-coms, that are all just like, you know, done commercially, Mm -hmm. like very similar. Because for some reason, there's not a very high bar for it. And I think it's because people really do like the familiar and they like watching this thing, you know, like the same story repackaged in like a different body every single time. And that's like the reason that we watch some movies so many times and some TV shows over and over and over again. Like how many times have you seen The Office? I've watched the whole (laughs) season. Like, I mean, the whole show, like four times. I personally have only seen it once. I'm not a big Office fan, actually. It's, really? No, I, I'm more of a Parks and Rec person. Definitely more of a community person. But, yes, um, all of those I've seen multiple times. Like, I say I don't like The Office. I'm also listening to uh, Office Ladies, which is a, a podcast hosted by two of the stars, where they just yeah. watch The Office and talk about it. So I'm a bit of a hypocrite. I, <laughs> I don't want to watch <laughs> the actual show, but I'll listen to other people watch the show. Who are um, in the show. Yeah, no, I like, well, they also go into like behind the scenes stuff, like what was happening on the set and how episodes yeah. get made. And I'm way more interested in the production side than um, the actual plot itself. But I see what you mean. Like I could be listening to a ton of different things. Uh, and instead I'm, I'm, I'm listening to a recap of a show I've already seen. <laughs> there's definitely some comfort in there i feel like that's why sequels get made too right like yeah we just like this thing so much we're like okay let's just have more of it even if it's going to be the same thing mm-hmm. where it's just like sometimes i watch you know like i'm watching tv and like a new trailer comes up for a movie i don't really care about and then you're just like why is there another one who asked for this <laughs> like yeah yeah and it's just well, likely no really... one asked for it. Usually it's a uh, studio is like, well, no one wants this, but they will pay for it. We know that they will like it. Like mm-hmm. a Minions movie. Why? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I, I believe I've seen all of those. Uh, actually, maybe not Despicable Me 3. Maybe I skipped that one. But uh, I'm definitely guilty of uh, helping out that market. <laughs> I mean, we all are. That's yeah. the thing. Is that you can like, you know, you can be angry about like, oh my god, another Star Wars. Like, how, <laughs> like how, how are we gonna keep going with this? I or like Disney Plus. Like, how are they gonna have all of these different Marvel and Star Wars shows going? Like, at some point, I want to stop my subscription and not pay for it a little bit until the next one. But they're like, no, <laughs> we got you. We are going mm-hmm. to release one right after the other. Oh yeah, it's so strategic. Like. The 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 gap in time between the Mandalorian and WandaVision, which is their current like big show that they're really pushing, uh, was so small. It was like two weeks or something. Yeah, exactly. That's not enough time to cancel your subscription. Right, because you got to start it right back up again. Although that being said, WandaVision is such a good show. It is. It's it's, it's fantastic, and it also plays on this idea of uh, moving through decades in sitcoms and returning to familiarity. Um, with all the homages that they do to different things that the audience is probably getting like um what was uh oh like full house references in the latest episode right and it's it's kind of funny because like you know the first two episodes were set in like 
the era of like 50s sitcoms and i've never really watched like a 50s sitcom but like mm-hmm. i i knew everything that was going on yeah like, no oh, that's a trope that's a trope that's a trope <laughs> it felt so weirdly familiar without having a personal basis in 1950s sitcoms right exactly which is it's it's so funny but that actually does play super super well into like our conversation because yeah it is just building on this familiarity i think that the entertainment industry absolutely capitalizes on this kind of like fascination for escapism that we have you know like Mm -hmm. i think that we really like when you're watching movies and watching tv shows you really are just kind of like this is like some excitement that i can experience just like (laughs) like i would like you know you're like oh my god i could run drug money like i could launder (laughs) money no you can't or like oh yeah you know different things like that where you're like this is so fun or like i could be funny like that or like different things Mm-hmm. whatever it is to you like these shows these movies are offering something to you that you really really enjoy and absolutely entertainment industry just just like we know what you like we were you know like they're responding to all of these reviews and that's why we keep getting more for it for like from it we we're basically we are asking for them to make more familiar things because we liked it in the first place yeah yeah i think that that's why tv shows about vocations do really well where you it's like what you're saying about escapism or at least living vicariously through the experiences of fictional characters it's like yeah i could work in that field i could be a firefighter or a doctor or a lawyer lawyer shows are just so prevalent or like a stand-up comedian or just something like that reality tv yeah yeah definitely i could date that guy but like here's what i would do in this situation i would be reasonable like those people on the bachelor like so unreasonable mm-hmm. well reality shows are interesting because it's almost like re-watching the same thing but with a slightly different plot every season i don't watch a lot of reality tv myself my mom does uh and every time I look up from, like, my phone while she's watching something, it's like, this is the, the same thing over and over again. I don't understand how you're still sucked in. But part of that is the familiarity of, like, a predictable plot. Yeah. It, it's it's so weird. New names. Because, like, you know, part of reality TV, and honestly, a lot of these things that we've mentioned, it's like, oh, you, I'm not going to get into that. Like, I would, I would hate it. You know, like, people that haven't watched Star Wars at this point. They're like, oh, I, I'm not going to like that. Or mm-hmm. very frequently reality TV where, and it's like a men thing too, where the men are like, oh, I'm never going to watch that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like something like mm-hmm. that. And then no matter who you are, a lot of the times you're going to watch it and you're going to find something that you like and it's going <laughs> to suck you in. Uh-huh. And it's just because I don't know why. Yeah, no, definitely. You're just like enthralled with this like drama that it's just kind of like this hyperbolic version of something familiar to you, you know, and just like. Oh, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I relate with this, like, level of this relationship, and then it's just, like, injected with steroids. Yep. You know, like, put under the spotlight. <laughs> that is the entire industry right there of reality TV. Yeah. Wow, you got me thinking about, like, how familiar everything is in movies and how that's just kind of the point sometimes. Yeah, I mean, personally, my favorite things are familiar. Like, I definitely like to... I don't, I don't like to see totally like brand new concepts that seem to come out of nowhere those those sometimes feel a bit artsy or pretentious to me so i do like familiarity familiarity 
at the same time, I like when shows and movies start with something familiar and then do something cool with it. They just go like one step beyond. It's like, you've seen this, but have you seen it with this different angle? True. Um, And I think that's where you sort of get subverting expectations with genre instead of just subverting something because you want to surprise the audience. I mean, I don't know how familiar you were with uh, the Game of Thrones stuff that went down a couple years ago. Maybe it was last year. It's been too long. Yeah, Um, season eight. It's been a long year. Yeah, where season eight felt like they were trying to surprise you based on like stuff they had set up in the universe, which felt bad. Whereas early seasons of the show were trying to surprise you based on your expectations of the genre itself. Right. I think uh, a good example of this would be uh, Parasite. Yeah. Where it's just this this movie that like is completely genre bending. You know, it goes through the, like these very pretty distinct like um, transitions between you know these three different genres. So it's like <laughs> yeah, kind of a comedy yeah. at the beginning, and then it's a thriller, and then it's horror at the end. You know, stuff like that, where it's just kind of like there's different shifts in there, and like you know all of this talk about familiarity. I also I think there's this big part in definitely me and I hope in all of us where we're just kind of like, I want to like cling on to this idea that there are new things. Like yeah. the other day I saw this TikTok that was like this, you know, this girl, she was like, I want, I don't know. I don't want to tell you guys this, but like there's only 35 different stories in the entire world. You know, like we've only been mm-hmm. fed the same 35 stories and inherently in me, I'm like, no, wrong absolutely not (laughs) there are new ones parasite to me absolutely new just because it probably just meshes together three different stories yeah but maybe it is one of those in and of itself i don't know i think the most valuable movies honestly this is definitely a super subjective opinion but i think the most valuable movies are the ones that like break out of that and do something new where you're like wow this is completely untread territory for me and like i'm forced to think because of this movie yeah no that makes a lot of sense i guess the the slightly pessimistic angle is like well now are you gonna do really like, redo what rewatch parasite yeah exactly. like, it can't always be new as soon as you, as soon as you've seen it um it's old <laughs> yeah exactly that's just why i want to see you know like entertainment hollywood just be bold and make something new that that like people just don't tread into anymore like honestly get out was one of those movies where it was just like this is new Mm -hmm. like it builds on something that you know before like but like it is now reaching outside of you know like a a pretty strict like horror genre and it's like thriller Mm -hmm. it's got a you know like a lot of it's a racial story yeah you know without like trying to like you know, be too crazy about it. Like, there's a lot more to this story than just what we've seen before. Yep, I definitely, definitely agree. All right, well, I don't want to eat too much into your time. I know you have class uh, pretty soon. Um, any any finishing thoughts that you want to end with? No, no, I, I think you've given me a lot to think about in this conversation. All right, well, I definitely enjoyed talking to you. I'm going to read my little outro script for everyone listening. Uh, if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, consider following the Major Motion Pictures podcast wherever you're listening to us right now, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor. You can also check out the Digital Media Center on YouTube and Instagram at www underscore dmc. Before we go, I'd like to once again thank Kai for being here with me today virtually. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have any uh, social medias you want to plug? 
Um, I mean, no, I don't want to plug it, but if you want to follow me on Instagram, <laughs> at K-A-I-U-Y-E. Nice, nice. Uh, also, if you're a Western student, check out the Film Production Club. It's really cool. And they have an Instagram, too, and I think it's just at film, WW Film Production Club. Yeah, all right. Uh, and I'd like to thank anyone listening today for supporting the DMC and its content. But until next week, thanks for listening. Thank you.